Vermont Viewpoint is a public affairs program produced and funded by WDEV and the Radio Vermont Group. We welcome listener feedback. Email your comments to vtviewpoint at radiovermont.com. From WDEV, welcome to Vermont Viewpoint. I'm Kevin Ellis. It's Friday, September 1st, and we are happy to be with you today and ready to bring you a happy, happy story to begin this day's show. The bookstore beloved by readers across the country and especially in Montpelier, destroyed by flood more than a month ago, is back. Bear Pond Books opens in one hour at 10 a.m. in downtown Montpelier. So let's just go right there and talk to owner Claire Benedict. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Kevin. Good morning. <laughs> I don't know. I've got a smile on my face and I'm laughing, so I'm not sure what that means. Uh, I have <laughs> I have meetings till like three o'clock, so I won't be able to get over there. Give us the details about today. Well, we're finally opening after almost eight weeks. Um, believe it or not, uh, we have done a lot of work in here. We've had a lot of help doing a lot of work in here, and we made a mad scramble, and we're going to be open at 10 a.m. this morning. The store looks fantastic. It's got a total glow up. There's the silver lining is that um, it's cleaner and uh, prettier than ever. We did a little renovation, and well, we did a major renovation, yeah. and um, we're really excited to be open. Claire, what did this take uh, in terms of you your family, your staff, your landlord, give us a little, give us the inside scoop. Yeah, this is truly It Takes a Village because we had an awesome, we have an awesome landlord, Tim Heaney, who really took care of us and helped get the walls and the floors back in place and the electrical and all that kind of stuff, which all had to be done before we could start rebuilding. Of course, there was the cleanup, which was a horrible blur that you remember, Kevin. And um, we've we've had people volunteer to help us put bookcases on the walls. Uh, you know, uh, people have been bringing us cookies. People have made donations. People, uh, pe- we've had so much help, and we've had a, we have an incredibly hardworking staff, and we've kind of just been working nonstop since the flood, and um, it's finally paid off. Okay. Um, I assume that the best thing we all can do is to just come to the store and buy books, uh, or, (laughs) or as I do, uh, buy another pair of reader, uh, peeper glasses, uh, or, (laughs) or journals or calendars or any number of things, including, uh, do you still have friends of Bear Pond Books sweatshirts and t-shirts? Those are only available online. You can get those um, at bearpondbooks.com. We don't have them in the store. Okay. That was a fundraiser we did. So those are available online. And, um, uh, yeah, but we have, you know, all kinds of gifts. We have the kids' room. Even the kids' room, which was not affected by the flood directly, um, has, has had a little refresh and redecoration. So there's a lot to see here. It looks beautiful, I've got to say. And that's the silver lining. Um, but we're we're pretty excited about it. Okay. Most of my four children who grew up in your children's section uh, are, are plane flights away, so will not be there. But I guarantee <laughs> you the next time they're visiting, that's their first stop. Um, what- you know, we've had amazing 
stories from people. We've gotten cards from all over the country and from people saying how much the store meant to them when they were a kid or when they used to visit their grandma or, you know, it's really, it's been really touching to see how many people were were moved by our story from all over the country and how many people have a connection to us that we just don't even realize. And Claire, I noticed that also on your block, I know I see Bailey Road is making progress. Um, Splash is making progress. So yeah, uh, you're going to, a lot of people are going to start opening soon. Yeah, our block is doing really well. Splash is open. Capital Stationers is opening today. Um, Notion is opening. Uh, Notion is used to be across the street, but has moved to our side of the street and is opening today. Yeah, Bailey Road is a couple weeks coming soon. And, um, yeah, so we're pretty excited. It's kind of bringing Montpelier back to life a little bit. Well, it needs it for sure. And, uh, God, it's just so exciting. Uh, what can we bring to celebrate? A uh, bag of cookies, flowers, anything? <laughs> well, you know, this staff never turns down a bag of cookies, I'll tell you that. But, okay. um, no, we just come by, say hello, buy a book if you need to, um, and we just, we'd love to see people. We're just, uh, we're tired of managing construction projects instead of talking about books. So just come on in and talk to us about books. And that's what we like to be doing. Selling hey. books and talking about books, not, you know, caulking things and whatever the else Holly's been doing. There's the a, six weeks. I was in there the other day. You've got a giant new, uh, slab of pine, uh, at your front desk. Tell us about that. It's gorgeous. We got a slab, a set of slab of pine from Fontaine Sawmill. Um, Winterwood finished it for us and brought it in just yesterday. And it's a live edge, beautiful slab, um, is our new countertop. And we love it. Okay. Uh, give us the biggest challenge that you faced. I know there's a long list. Well, the mud and the water. And yeah. I mean, <laughs> I can choose one thing. I just have to go through it all. Yeah. Um, you know, it's been emotionally difficult. It's definitely been a roller coaster. We always wanted to reopen, but, you know, at, there's times that it, it was hard and it felt really overwhelming. And um, the community support that we've gotten, like, through vo- donations, through volunteer time, has been overwhelming. And it's surprising even how much people were giving and uh, how much time they gave to us, and that's really been incredible. And that's kind of, that's what got us through the times where it felt too overwhelming, and we thought, "What are we doing?" Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so that is it's this has truly been like a huge community effort to get the store open again. Okay, well, Claire Benedict, the owner of Bear Pond Books, if you are tempted to go online and and. Dial in the dreaded A word. Do not do that. If you are online, go to bearpondbooks.com and you can buy all your books right there or go to the store, say hi to the staff. Uh, gosh, they're, they're Come old. in and see it. It looks great. Come yeah. in and see the new spot. Look at the new staff picks. You're going to love it. Give us a staff pick for the weekend. Got oh, one? Um, Olga Dies Dreaming is my staff pick right now. A novel. Oh God! Okay, can you give me? Come on, I'm a history guy. Can you give me one nonfiction something? Have you read The Wager? No. Oh yeah, you want to read that? It's about a shipwreck. 
Oh, you mean you by the that. guy uh, who wrote the uh, – Gran. By yeah, David Grand. Yeah, whose uh, book about the Native American uh, stealing. Has, Killers of the Flower Moon. Right, who's now been made – that's been made into a movie. Okay. Yeah. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a hot one. All right. I'll be over this afternoon. Claire Benedict, good luck today. Have a great time, and I hope you can sneak away on a vacation very soon. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. See you okay. later. Claire Benedict, Bear Pond Books. Incredible story of of uh of pain and and fear and discouragement followed by uh redemption and recovery and resilience and gosh really really an incredible story uh so we'll be over there later this afternoon I've got a couple of things to do Claire Benedict at Bear Pond Books and if you get there and you can uh and, and you buy a book and it's you know uh $22.49, round up to 23 bucks. It's As I've said, it's the difference. Do it. You do it with a cup of coffee. Do it at Bear Pond Books. It's the difference between these people being there and not. Uh, so I'll be over there this afternoon. We're going to take a break, and we're going to come, come right back with Mark Redman of Spectrum Family Youth Services. We're back. It's Vermont Viewpoint. I'm not sure I introduced myself this uh, this show. I'm Kevin Ellis, your host. This is the Friday show, end of the week. Bear Pond Books is open. And our next guest is doing something uh, that he does all the time, which is basically uh, fomenting small revolutions. Mark Redman has been the executive director at Spectrum Youth and Family Services since 2003, and uh, he 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 works with uh, mostly in Chittenden County, but also I think in Franklin County and elsewhere, uh, young people on the verge of homelessness who are who need help. Uh, they've got drop-in centers, and he is the the sort of central hub of doing this work, especially in Burlington. He is the author of Called, a memoir, which is about his life uh, in. Homelessness and reaching out to these kids. Mark Redmond, welcome to the show. Kevin, thank you for having me on. Always a pleasure. Okay, uh, but we're not we're we're here to talk about something that uh, that some people would call socialist, and I want to get right to it. <laughs> You're doing something that yes. not a lot of other people are doing. Why don't you tell us what's going on at Spectrum? So one of our staff, who was actually an AmeriCorps worker, uh, came to me about, I don't know, two years ago and read a report out of the University of Chicago, a reputable institution, right, Kevin? Yeah. Almost as reputable, yeah. almost as, reputable as Amherst, yeah. almost. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. And uh, it was a report uh, talking about something called direct cash transfer, which is another word for giving poor people money. Now, this has been tried, this concept, in many other countries and places with, with some very good results. Uh, we haven't tried it a lot in America. So uh, we looked into it, and we found out that there was groups doing it with homeless families. There was a group doing it with LGBTQ youth in New York City, but nobody was doing it in the country with really who we work with, homeless youth, youth in the foster care system. So we uh, researched it. We hired on uh, the national experts to advise us. 
a philanthropist gave us half a million dollars to do this. He loved the idea, and uh, we also got Peter Welch got us an earmark for another quarter million. So what we're doing, Kevin, is we explain this to our staff. We ask them to nominate. You know, we work with over a thousand youth at Spectrum and in St. Albans a year, and to really nominate young people who had showed promise, who maybe had been homeless or were living in foster care, but they were working, they were going to school, they were getting their driver's license, they were starting bank accounts. And we decided we had 60 kids apply. We ended up with 10 at the end. And what we're going to do, we've started already, we're going to give them $1,500 a month. They'll get twice a month. They have a debit card. It gets loaded up with 750 twice a month. And they'll get that money for the next 18 months. Now, people say, oh, you're just handing money out. No, they still need to meet with their case manager at Spectrum. We still have to see how they're doing. We're able to track how the money is spent on this debit card. And we believe, Kevin, that this will accelerate the number of young people who had had been homeless or at risk of homelessness in terms of getting the, getting an apartment, getting their first used car, going back to school and paying tuition, you know? So we're really excited about this. So there is some pushback. I've gotten some regular Spectrum donors who are like, wait a minute. And I said, well, one of the things that the University of Chicago report states is that according to Merrill Lynch, 78% of American parents do help their children financially in some way. And I don't know about you, Kevin, but I'm exhibit A. You know, my parents <laughs> paid for my tuition. Of course. They paid for me to go to Villanova, right? It wasn't $80,000 like it is today, but it was, you know, in the 70s, it was still expensive. And then when I graduated, they loaned me the money to buy my first used car. When I bought my first house, uh, they co-signed on the mortgage. Yep. So, and I have two sons. I know you have kids too. I can tell you, my older son went to Providence College. I and my ex-wife paid for his tuition. He had no debt. My other sons did not know the name right now. We are paying fans. So many, many families do this. But Spectrum kids who we work with, Kevin, you know, their parents might be missing. Their parents are very low income. They might be living in the pods or in one of the homeless hotels. They might be in prison. Uh, they suffer from mental health. If our kids don't come from that kind of demographic that I don't know about you, but that I came from. So they're really on their own at 18, 19, and we see this as a way. And it's a pilot. We're going to try it with 10 kids per year for three years in a row. And we think it's going to make a big difference. Mark, uh, there's something about this that I find inspirational, uh, and yet we as Americans, unlike the Europeans, are trained from birth to think mm -hmm. this is a bad idea because – we're going to make these kids lazy uh, right. and entitled. And I got to say, what you just said really just opened my eyes and ears because if 78% of parents are helping their kids, which is true, I mean, right. my parents paid my col my private college tuition yeah. three yeah. grand a year, as I recall. Um, <laughs> that was a lot then. Yeah. Uh, these kids have no parents to to fill that kind of hole, and that's what Spectrum is doing. You're jumping into the hole that parents right. fill, fulfill, and you've been right. doing that in other ways forever. We have, and this is kind of the last missing piece. 
You know, Kevin, like yeah. we have kids now who I would I would use the word they're stuck. They've been they're living in spectrum in our housing for a year or two. They've done great, Kevin. They've got a job. They got a better job. They started a savings account. We taught them how to drive a car. You know what? Because of this wacky housing market we're in, they're stuck. They're ready to move on, Kevin. And in fact, if they move on, then I can move another youth into that bed. You know, yeah. I have kids who are in foster homes who are now 21, 22. They're ready to go. They've done everything, but they can't make that next leap because of how how expensive things are. So we're going to help those kids, too. So you're right. To me, it's kind of that last piece that we've been missing to really help launch kids into a self and in, into independent living. I assume, Mark, that the donor is of the 500,000 is anonymous, so we can't talk about that person. I know that person. Yeah, yeah. That person. The person previously gave us a million a year ago. Can you imagine? Well, which helped us to uh, buy a building to expand our mental health counseling. Well, I remember and, uh, uh, it was was it Tony Pomerlo that gave you the million dollars, or was it? Uh, it was the late Mrs. Hale, Cynthia Hale. That's right. That's right, Cynthia Hale. She, I got called. I'd never even met her before. It's like ten years ago, right? It was on the cover of the Free Press. Yeah. So Mrs. Yeah. Hale wants to meet you. I'm like, oh, great. So I walk into this room and there's all cameras and photographers. Um, I'm like, well, what is Rita Markley doing here too? You know? Yeah. And she picked five organizations that really work with the homeless and the poor and gave us a million dollars each. In fact, she had not stolen. She had recruited away my development director a year earlier. So I went up to Mrs. Hale and I whispered to her and I said, you stole my development director a year ago, and now I'm glad you did. Yeah, this is the least you can do is give me a million bucks. Um, Mark, t talk talk more about Spectrum mm -hmm. and what you're doing, how many beds, how many kids, what does it cost to take care of these folks? That's a good question. So in Burlington, right, is our main operation. been here since 1970. You know, I've been here 20 years. And, uh, you know, you have the drop-in center, you're at the top of Church Street and Pearl Street, and that's drop-in center. It used to be open Monday to Friday, now we're open seven days a week. Come on in, get a free hot lunch, free hot dinner, change your clothes, do your laundry, take a shower, use the computers, we'll help you look for work, we'll help you tutoring, whatever it is you need. And then up right next door, Kevin, we're so lucky, Community Health Center has their health clinic in our building. So free medical care, doctors, PAs, nurses, whatever. Upstairs, we have eight shelter beds that are open every night uh, or every day of the year. And as kids do well in those shelter beds, they have to leave in the morning. If they do well, they move to eight apartments. We have on the same floor eight apartments. Now you're going to pay some rent. We're going to help you start a bank account. We're going to teach you independent living skills. We're going to teach you how to drive a car. I would say I had parents to help me with these things. These kids don't. Right. So, but then in the winter, Kevin, a couple of years ago, we realized we were full in the winter. And what do we do now if the kid's knocking at the door? It's 1 a.m., right? Maybe the state will put them up in a hotel. The hotels, in my opinion, are not a great place for a teenage boy or girl. So we started a warming shelter. Ten beds a couple of blocks away, November to March, but we just raised the money. We've decided that warming shelter should be open year-round also. So we will have 26 beds in Burlington. Up in St. Albans, two years ago, we started a drop-in center. One family helped us financially, and we got a, started a drop-in center just like the one in Burlington for St. Albans. 
And then, God bless them, Mike Monty at Champlain Housing Trust gave us three apartments nearby. So now we have homeless youth. We have three, and we're thinking of adding a bunch more. So you know what's interesting about St. Albans, though, Kevin? What? Our drop-in center in Burlington, you're going to see mostly 18, 19, and 20. Our drop-in center in St. Albans, 13, 14, 15, and 16. Why? Because here in Burlington, we are so fortunate to have the King Street Center, the the Boys and Girls Club, the Sarah Holbrook Center, the YMCA. In St. Albans, there's nothing like that, Kevin. There's nothing, you know. There's us. Right. And there are there is the Northwest Medical Center. There's Northwest Counseling and Support Services. The Turning Point is up there. Thank goodness. You know, Martha's Kitchen. There are other services. You know, it's not like we're the only ones. But in terms of like this younger group, we were really surprised to see who's showing up uh, for help at Spectrum in St. Albans. So you are giving direct cash payments of fifteen hundred bucks a month for eighteen yes. months. Yes. To 10 kids, foster care, homeless, yeah. uh, so they can get started. Yes, and then a year from now we'll pick 10 more, and a year from now we'll have three cohorts. And we have a uh, outcomes person on staff who measures data, and she's going to carefully measure. How do those youth do in terms of getting an apartment, getting a used car, going back to school? You know, How do they do in terms of outcomes compared to the youth who don't get that? I mean, I wish we had the money, Kevin Wright, to do it for everyone, yeah. but, but we don't. We're going to start, and we want to see if it works, which is why the federal government also chipped in money. They want to know, hey, does this thing work? We want to see the proof. If it, well, We hope it works. We think it'll work, but, but we have to be able to prove the data that it works. And Senator Welch helped you out? He did help us out. He did help us out. Thank wow. you, Peter Welch and his wonderful staff. Now, uh, in Washington, D.C., I bet they're not fond, uh, at least on the Republican side, of giving uh, direct cash payments to people. I wonder, wonder how he got it done. We had to rename the application. I forget what we – they warned us. They said, yeah, no, 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 don't don't put – so we renamed it, support. I think, supports for youth or a home, you know, yeah. because you're right. Some of the uh, people on the opposing party might target that and put a stop to that. So uh, – but that's what it is. In truth, that's what it is. It's going to be part of our direct cash transfer program. Now, I'm Mark, very grateful to I, I know that they are doing this in Stockton, California. The mayor out there is doing this. I know mm-hmm. that and, – and the idea for this, I believe, came from a, a program in New York City that's doing it. Can you tell that's us about right. that? Yeah, that is called uh, Ali Forney Center. They do, deal with all LGBTQ youth, some of whom are homeless. And so they did this, started this about a year ago. So they were of tremendous help to us, Kevin, in terms of advising us and telling us, you know, what mistakes they made and how to learn from them. There's a group called Larkin Street Center that is kind of the spectrum of San Francisco. Google is funding them to do this, although they have, they're behind us. They haven't started yet. So there are a lot of groups like considering this, looking at this, and I'll be honest with you. So we hired this group called Point Source Youth. They're like the national experts on how to start this up. So we called them, and they were like, yeah, this will take about a year. I said, listen. I want the money going out the door by June. I don't want to tell this donor, oh, yeah, this will take a year to set up. I said, we are doing this. If you can't get this done in six months, we don't need you. And thankfully, so we can do it. We can do it. So we really fast-tracked it and worked with them. 
And then I, I said, I want money going to these kids by June, and money was going out the door by June. So, and one other thing, Kevin, they're going to get fifteen hundred a month, and it, and they'll get it for eighteen months in a row. And at any time during that eighteen months, they can apply for one more supplemental. Uh, three thousand uh, dollar shot of money for something you know an unexpected thing or down payment on an apartment or down payment on a car you know so they'll also have that there during the uh, eighteen months. You mean, yeah, like you and I never had a, 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 a an unexpected ex- oh. expense when we were ki- when we were that age. I mean today, right, Kevin? My dog just got Lyme disease. <laughs> I had to take her to the Burlington Vet Hospital, and I was like, gulp, right? That was like, you know, $600. There's so many things. Or if a car, Kevin, right? Anything, anything, right? So Uh, all kinds of unexpected expenses come up. Mark, I have a question, though. Yes, yes. Uh, You know, in all of the housing crisis, the pods in Burlington, the difficulties on Church Street and in City Hall Park, the the, repu- the growing reputation in Burlington, whether deserved or not, that and in all cities, San Francisco, et cetera, that things are out of control crime wise. Can you? You're there every day. Can you give us a kind of a? Where does your program fit within the larger struggles of Burlington? And, That's a very good question. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, you got Sarah Holbrook, you got King Street, the Boys and Girls Club. You, uh, you would think that with enough philanthropy, that we would be solving this problem, and yet we don't. Yeah, I know, and I think sometimes it's beyond philanthropy, Kevin. I right. think right. philanthropy plays a role, but we really need strong government action. I think, you know. So the pods, Kevin, are two doors down from us. My office is on Elma. We have a bunch of buildings, but the pods are two doors down. Yep. Champlain Housing Trust runs them. I have tremendous respect for Mike Monty yep. and that staff. They did not have to take that on. I think the city begged them to do it, right? Yep. And uh, I give Mike and Paul Dragon from CVOEO tremendous credit because yeah. it's a difficult population, right? Yep. So they've got like 30, 36 people who were there. And uh, a few weeks ago, I was sitting on our front steps. Who comes by but Peter Clavel and Moreau Weinberger? I said, here we are, the, the ghost of Christmas past, <laughs> the ghost of Christmas present. Right. And Moreau said to me, hey, I want feedback. You know, what are you seeing here? You know, I said, Moreau, I'll be honest with you. I admire that you did the pods, right? Sears Lane was untenable. Yep. That closed down. You did not legally have to do this. You could have just said, you know, like a lot of other mayors, hey, listen, you know. Yeah, but you didn't. You voluntarily put, took on the expense and, and the work of doing the pods. I admire that, you know. But I said there is ramifications for this block, you know. It's just, I mean, yesterday I found needles in our, our parking lot here on Elmwood Avenue. I mean, that's like a daily thing now. And it's really sad, Kevin. People are shooting up at the end of our driveway, or I went to Mass at the St. Joseph's Go Cathedral one afternoon, and they're out on the lawn shooting up there. So it's complicated. It really is. You know, I mean, are those people who live in the pods? I don't even know. 
I've asked my staff what's going on and said, Mark, a lot of this is the ramifications of the emptying of the homeless hotels, right? So during COVID, we had a lot of folks in these hotels and there are still some people in the hotels, but a lot of them were asked, it was time up, they had to go. So now they're downtown, City Hall Park. I was there yesterday for International Overdose Awareness Day at 5 p.m. And it's rough in City Hall Park, too. But you're right, Kevin. Every city in America is struggling. My son was out in San Francisco, and he's like, Dad, you look and you see tents for miles, right? Yeah. L.A., Portland, Seattle. It's not like Burlington is the only city dealing with this, you know? And, and Mark, and, it, it seems to me that it's too simplistic to say, and you know, the politicians on CNN say it's the Democrats, it's the, it's the, this, it's that. It, it's way more complicated than that. One thing I've learned being on the right. board at Downstreet Housing in Barrie is that poverty is complicated. And it's yes. not just that the mayor is a Democrat. It goes deeper than that. But so put yourself, be the governor for a day. Or, or or king for a day. Uh, what's what, what do we need? What, yeah, you how, know, how do you attack we, this? We we you know we we need more. That was just part of the theme at the overdose awareness event. You know, we do need more services and more more treatment for people who are actively using. Right. Uh, there are cities and states in the country now that are doing overdose prevention sites. They have them in Canada. They're pretty controversial. Governor Scott is not in favor of those. I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm not saying he's right. But I think we should look at what other countries are doing, right? And then how can we get people into recovery? Like in Vancouver, they have an overdose. You can come in in Vancouver into this site and you can use heroin, which sounds terrible, right? Right. But at least they say, hey, okay, uh, we'll Narcan you if you overdose. So, And you can't recover if you're dead. Uh, but upstairs, we have a, a, a detox. You know, why don't you consider going And above the detox? We have a recovery center, you know, we're a, a, a rehab. So I like that idea that you're offering people a safe place so you don't die. But then also the solution, which is recovery. So I would love to see us explore more about that. But now you get into federal policy, right? I mean, it's not it would be risky for Vermont on its own to do that. You're going to need federal okay to do that. So it's multi-level. So that's, and Kevin, fentanyl and xylazine have just changed the game, man. Right. They changed the game. Tell they us how, really tell us how. Much more dangerous, much more prone to overdosing. I mean, people are nodding out in our driveway. Some poor fellow was nodding out in the middle of Elmwood Avenue last week. I went out there and, helped him get to the side of the road so he didn't get hit by a car. And I think that's what's driving more thefts. I really do. Yeah. You know, the bicycles, yeah. we've all read the New York Times, the bicycles of Burlington, right? right? So people's cars getting broken into. So, And then the mental health thing too, Kevin. We're in a mental health crisis. So that adds to it. We just don't have, in my opinion, in, in, in enough beds. Thank goodness I give Governor Scott credit. I went to see him in 2017. And he added uh, 16 more beds, which are at the old Woodside, and it's a new facility, and it's beautiful. That helps. We need more of that, in my opinion. There are people who disagree with me, but I think we need more of that kind of care also. So it's mental health and it's addiction, and ultimately a lot of it feeds into the crime epidemic, which we have going on. Okay, last question. Mm. Uh, 
You are a Catholic. That's right. <laughs> and, and your kids go, go to church every Sunday. I and your feel, kids right. go to Providence and Notre Dame. Yeah. Uh, I'm no expert on Catholics, but I, I'm a Martin Sheen fan and mm. I'm, I'm a little bit of a Dorothy Day fan too. There you go. Where, and I've read your, your book, which is called mm. Called. Uh, right. You've been doing this since 2003. Truth is, you've been doing this your, your, you know, pretty much your whole life. Since 1981, yes, that's true. Why? Uh, I believe that's why I called the book Call. I sent the book to a lot of people. I'm like, I'm thinking of a bunch of titles. My favorite book the year before was Educated by Tara Westover. I said, how about one word? And everybody said, Call, that's your book. It's about you being called, you know, by, by God to, to work with the homeless and the poor, you know, and to leave your career on Madison Avenue. So that's why that really does drive, you know, and I have a picture in my office. I'm looking at it now of Mother Teresa. I've got a picture of Oscar Romero. And to me, you know, those were the real – you knew them too or who they were, right, right. In, the, in, the, right. in the 80s, right? right. Those were the, the – here, Daniel Berrigan, right, another right. one, Dorothy Day, yep. Martin Sheen. These are people who put it on the line. You know, I told the story for the Moth once and said, you know, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm a Catholic, and the people I admire are the people who really put it on the line. It's not just about going to church or saying your prayers every day, which you should do, but it's about devoting yourself to social justice justice, to creating a, a climate-safe world, to helping the homeless and the hungry, that to me is really what it's about and why I do what I do. Now, I just wrote a column for a Catholic publication and said Spectrum is not a – it's a non-sectarian organization. So I don't say to kids or staff, you know, Jesus is with us on this one. Right. <laughs> kind of keep it under wraps. I don't think that's appropriate. But I told the story of one boy who kept talking about my church, my church. And I finally said, Oh, you know what church? He said, Oh, I'm being baptized as a Catholic this, this coming Easter. So I went to it, you know, with him. So, but it's not something I talk about, but you know, there's a famous, I think St. Francis said this, go and preach the gospel, use words only if necessary. So it's like, to me, that's, it's your actions, Kevin. It's how you live your life. It's what you do. That's truly living your faith as I see it. Okay. I, I, a follow up though. Mm. Guys like you, it's really easy to go home to the garden, go to the movies. Right. Uh, and there's something that drives you personally to be in the drop in center making sure that it's clean and checking in mm. with the kids and the counselors and the, you know, whether it's Michael Jordan on the basketball court, you mm. doing spectrum. I mean, the, the examples are forever. Something drives mm. you that doesn't drive other people. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't know if it was the, my Catholic conscience or the I, way, but I do like to be a hands-on, like I do, Go and it's a pain in the neck to do, but once a month I wake myself up early. I make breakfast for the 16 kids who live in that building, you know, and then once yeah. a month I go up to St. Albans, I make dinner. And it's a way to connect with the staff. It's a way to connect with the kids too, you know. It's not just, I'm not just this name. Yeah. 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 <laughs> or the name on the right hand corner of your paycheck, lower right, you know. Yeah. So, and I, I enjoy it. It's work. There's a lot of other stuff I could be doing, but I really enjoy that aspect and it kind of keeps me grand. It's very easy, right, Kevin? 
to forget what it's about. Like it's about fundraising. It's about strategic plan. And it is getting new board members. It is all about that. That's what's my primary role. But when you, when you get there and you make dinner and you sit with kids and talk to them, you talk to your staff, you're like, Oh, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Right. Yeah. It becomes very visceral. And I would recommend that to any nonprofit leader. You know, it's so easy to get absorbed into the administrative tasks. And it's so easy to forget. Once you forget what it's about, Kevin, you and I have seen a long string of nonprofits that started out heroically. And, you know, X years later, the leaders on the front page for some scandal or right. And you're like, how did that happen? That person didn't start out that way. I don't think, you right. know, right. Uh, you know, father Bruce Ritter, right. At right. Covenant house. Yeah. Terrible. I, I knew you were him. there. You were there. I was there. Terrible scandal. You know, it's, it's legion. And you th- I think if you keep yourself grounded and you remind and you, you don't believe your own press ki- clippings, Kevin, right? <laughs> don't believe your own press clippings. Just do the work. Meet with the staff. Meet with the kids. Do what you got to do. It'll, it should work out well. We're going to take a, co- a couple of calls because uh, I know people are interested in this. Fred from Newberry, you are on the line with Mark Redmond. Um, Let's see you. Can you hear me all right? We can hear you. Yeah, sure, Fred. Uh, my question is, if you give all this money away, uh, how are you going to teach or train the recipients on how to manage money? That's very important. If you don't know how to manage money, you're going to be in big trouble. It's a Fred, that is a great that's a great question and we are definitely going to do that we're going to do we already do financial literacy with all of our youth and for this group they're going to get it in spades right because yeah, there's but- a lot of ways there's a lot of way to blow money and they and they need to know Fred that the clock is ticking this money is not forever 18 months will go pretty fast you know so we are definitely going to be doing that but it's an excellent question but how how are you going to how are you going to do it there's a lot of, so they're required to meet with one of our staff who's in charge of this program at least once a month, okay? And that will be part of each session when they meet. You know, let's look at your bank accounts. Let's look where the money is going. Where is it? Are you saving some? What are your payments? That type of thing. If you have an apartment, you know, how much is utilities going to be? So there are definitely curriculums out there that we already follow, and there are groups like Champlain Valley Office of Economic Opportunity that do this. Different banks have VSECU has offered to do this for us, so we will definitely be taking advantage of all of those uh, offers. Let's uh, let's take another call, Alonzo from Colbyville, which is sort of next to me between Middlesex and Worcester, I think. Uh, Alonzo, you're on the line. Welcome. I am. Thank you, sir. But Colbyville is actually where Shaw's is in Waterbury. Oh, you're uh, right. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, there, Kevin, hey, you, come on. There, come that's, on, Kevin. Right. No, I, no, fair ground. Fair I'm, not, ground. I'm not a Waterbury guy. I'm a, I'm a man. I'm a Montpelier <laughs> guy. And boy, there with my ignorance just showed. I was thinking about, I was thinking about Putnamville. Yeah. Well, here's the thought too. I don't, it's not my focus, but you know, when we talk about housing, Kobeville used to be a whole town and they took out all the housing and, built strip malls all the way up through there. We used 
where Shaw's is now, when I was a kid, we used to go down there, the whole neighborhood, and have our own sand lot and a gravel pit. And we used to play where Shaw's parking lot is and play baseball. But anyway, that's not my point. My mm. point is, it sounds like what what we're talking about is, in the book of Luke, uh, Christ's mission statement to release the oppressed, all right? See, I'm not, I'm an alcoholic, okay? I haven't found sobriety since 2005. I had five and a half years of sobriety until I relapsed. Something about addiction, we all have another relapse in us, but recovery is so precious. People don't understand how precious recovery is because we all have another relapse in us. We don't know when our next recovery is. And I'm going to let you walk on that. Thank you for the call, uh, Mark. Alonzo, I just, thanks for calling, by the way. Yeah. And, yeah. and, 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 and congratulations on recovery. Yeah. Stick with That's it. Awesome. There's help yeah. out there. Um, Mark? <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, he's right, and recovery is a precious thing. Uh, I think you read in my book, uh, I was, he was my counselee at Covenant House in 1981. And first 15 years I knew him, he was mostly in prison. And then uh, he just celebrated his 25th anniversary of sobriety. And I go back to New York City every five years for his uh, NA meeting. So, uh, right. And that a lot of our kids do suffer from um, substance abuse disorder, mental health disorders. That's why we have a whole counseling program and train so you know, we've got to keep that in mind, too, giving young people money. We've got to warn them, like, you know, you could now be tempted if you're in recovery to use again. And that's why we have addiction counselors on staff on the standby if we need them. But he's right. Recovery is a precious thing. And I give so much credit to AA, NA, Valley Vista, Turning Point Centers, which are key. There's a lot of money that's going to be coming into Vermont from the settlements, right, with the, the Sacklers and the opioids and all that. So right. anyway, I agree with everything Alonzo said. Mark, uh, is, do you see an end point here? Is, is there, with, with all the things you're doing and everybody else is doing in Burlington and around the state, is there a solution to a better way? Or are we just going to keep banging our head against this wall, uh, in City Hall Park and Church Street and elsewhere? Mm. You know, you know, a, a, a trillion dollars is not going to fix this program. This, no, this it's problem, not. Right? It's not. It didn't help. But you know, it's funny. One of our donors said to me once, "Your your goal should be to get rid of Spectrum. That you work with these kids, you eliminate even the need for Spectrum." And I said, "Listen, <laughs> there's always going to be homeless youth, but." We can do a lot. Like you know, we have a mentoring program. We have 60 volunteer mentors who work with kids. We have the Multicultural Youth Program. We have staff now working with youth of color in Hunt Middle School, Burlington High School, Essex High School. You know, uh, our counseling program is now working with hundreds of youth. We've expanded that. If we can do those things on the front end, Kevin, mentoring, counseling, right, things like that, we are going to see over time a reduction on the number of young people who then become adults who are on the street or in the criminal justice system. Okay. So that's okay. what, that's what King let, Street does, right? Yeah. Last question. Let me put on my grumpy old man hat. Sure. Uh, 
when we you and I, well. when you and I were kids, this was not yes. this was not the same. It wasn't this bad. What That's have what true. have we in our generation done wrong in this society mm. to create these conditions? Oh boy, I'm just almost done with Fiona Hill's book. Remember yeah. how she testified? Yeah. yeah, it's an excellent book, and she came from poverty in Northern England. And talks about how from the 70s and the 80s, you know, the hollowing out of the industrial sector, the hollowing out of jobs, you know, the lack of government support. And I do believe, you know, she's right. I mean, I think we need a massive, you know, again, government's not the whole answer, but we do really do need investments. We stopped investing in low-income housing. We stopped investing. We should have... Let's grow kids. Good for them. We got some money for for pre-K, but, you know, we we're behind what other industrialized nations do, Kevin, Uh, subsidized for college. So we can do these things, but we really need to get a mentality that, you know, again, it's not all government. And I believe in government working with the nonprofit sector, with organizations like Spectrum and COTS, you know, that together we can make inroads in this. So, I don't know, that's that's my take. That's, All right. We've seen a hollowing out since the 80s, and we need to rebuild that. That was a mistake. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but you probably do. I do. Yeah. I do. Feeling. Can't wait that's to get the angry calls and emails. It'll be fun. <laughs> uh, Enjoy that. Mark Redman. Enjoy Redmond, that. It's always a smile on my face when you come on the show. Thanks for joining Thank us. You. I appreciate it. Go Wooly Mammoth. Go <laughs> Wooly Mammoth. Go Villanova. <laughs> Go Palestra. Have a a nice day, Kevin. See you later. Mark Redman. It's Vermont Viewpoint. I'm Kevin Ellis. We'll be right back uh, with Bob Nay in Washington. Did you know that Radio Vermont Group Digital Services can create videos including drone footage? We've even won awards for our videos. If you'd like to learn more and see examples of our work, go to rvgdigital.com. Radio Vermont Group. We're more than just radio.